The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. There's something about this season that I feel like, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas together, just, I I get overwhelmed with gratitude and Thanksgiving, um, obviously because we have a holiday that says Thanksgiving, but um, I'm I'm, I'm quick like that, but I think that... uh, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm very grateful for all the people that have been in my life, and I'm grateful for it's, it's kind of it's not like an ugly cry, thankful, but it's kind of like a nostalgic. Wow, man! Look at look at all the personalities that God used to get me where I'm going. Does that make sense? All the different people, and even though they were times and seasons, and and even though we may not connect. You know, I may not connect with people from my childhood like I did when I was four or five, but I still remember their influence in my life. And, and I want to let you know that it's important for you to see the hand of God on your life helping you maneuver. You know, a lot of times we remember the people who hurt us, but we don't really remember the people who helped heal us. You know, that, that called us out or, or, you know, that tough love or that moment where they really helped you get where God has you to be. And, and, and of course, like I said, Thanksgiving and typically in this season are happy times for, for me right now. I mean, I'm really, really grateful. Family, friends, food, Dallas Cowboys, football, uh, you know, spiritual things. Um, <laughs> You know, I just, you, you can't beat it. And uh, I'm sure, sure, the reality is that there's some things that you would change. And there, was th- there would be people that you would probably, God, anytime you want to move them out of my life, you can. You know, I mean, if we're going to be real. But, you know, in large, it, it's important for us to remember and thank God for what we have. You know, but, but I remember a time in my life where Christmas and Thanksgiving were, were not exciting times for me in fact it was like dread because we had our annual christmas fight we had our annual christmas throw the turkey you know what i'm saying we had our annual christmas who could be louder in the home come on and i remember thinking i i hate christmas i i hate the holidays, you know, and, and it's funny because, and, 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 you know, it's very easy for us to feel like, you know, we're overstressed. There's a whole lot more money going out, come on, somebody, than coming in. When are the kids going back to school? Somebody, you know, like, 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 uh, and, and it, it's amazing how quickly this great season that we're, we're in becomes just a burden. And, and we have to deal with people that, you know, uh, God gave us, but we want to send back, you know. And, and, and the reality is that we all experience high and low moments. And how do we handle those? How we choose to handle those moments unlock our next steps in life. And that's real. And, and so my assignment today is I can still praise you know, the, the reality is there's many things in our life that wants to steal our praise, steal, steal our, our, our joy, steal our focus. But, but I, we almost have the, 
need to have the understanding that no matter what comes my way, I can still praise. I can still give thanks. I can still use my mouth. I can tear down. The Bible says that in our mouth are words of life. You know what? Come on. You get around family and all of those emotions start coming and you start thinking, I'm going to tell you how I feel. <laughs> and that, don't, that doesn't ever end good. But like in the moment, it's like, yeah, therapeutic, you know. But the reality is that, that we have, in our mouth are words of life. And what stills your praise? What is it? is it? Is it an issue with your car? Is it an issue with your job? Is it the fact that you didn't get the contracts that you were set to get? What is it that can still your praise? Because I promise you this, if there is someone that can, something that can still your praise, it will. Yeah. It will. And I want to walk through a, a story in the Bible that I think helps us illustrate what we're talking about and really bring this to the forefront. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. And, um, and, and we're going to talk about Paulus, Paul and Silas's kind of incarceration moment. Acts 16, 16, verse 12. And it says, And now it happened as they went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters so much profit by fortune telling. The girl followed Paul and us crying out loud saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, I know that you may be thinking as a believer, that's not that bad, but she was annoying. Okay, now I know that you probably don't have annoying people in your life, but I just, I just was around a bunch of kids. For Thanksgiving. And it's amazing how they annoy and pick on each other. You know, like, like someone says, stop it, stop it. You know, they hold do the mocking thing. You know, you know what I'm saying? What are you doing? What are you doing? And like, I hate you. I hate you. You know, and, and then it's always, I know you are, but what am I? And, and I never understood that concept because, because I can tell you a lot of things that you are. And so it, it, it's amazing as they pick and they mess. And, you know, the, we have three boys. So I, I, we have two, and then and our, Katie's sister has two. And so the, the, one of them's in high school. And they're in this phase where they just want to pants each other. You know, by just, just, just pants each other. And, and, and it's funny and it's hilarious. And some of you women, you're like, you have a weird family. <laughs> but, but for us guys, it's just you, you know a few things in life. You don't spit into the wind. If you have a drawstring, you tie it. There are just things that we know as men that are just like fundamentals, okay? And, and, and so this woman is annoying Paul and Silas. She's not just saying, hey, these men are servants of the Most High God. She's like yelling, following them, screaming at them, aggravating them. They can't even pray for people because, ha! I mean, it was like, it's like that annoying, okay? And she did this for days, okay? Now, some of you... Your, 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 Christian, your Christianity, your level of tolerance, your level of compassion is much higher than some. And so when someone does something, you turn the other cheek. And then when someone does something again, you turn the other cheek like the good book. But there comes to a place where you ain't got no cheeks left. Okay? 
You only got about four, and after that, we're gonna, we need to talk. Look at this. For days. But Paul, greatly annoyed. Anybody, I'm sure we're in church, so none of y'all have ever been annoyed. But greatly annoyed. Don't, don't leave yet. I'm still reading. Go back. Greatly annoyed. Turned and said to the Spirit. Go ahead. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Good for her. But when the master saw that their hope of profit was gone, it's amazing. And I'm just going to stop there for a second. This is not a point, but I just want to say that not everybody will be excited about your freedom. It's amazing to me as I meet people who are praying for their sons and daughters mothers and fathers to come to church and finally when they do come to church and they get a hold of the message and their mentality begins to change their standards begin to change come on somebody you know what they used to do begins to change how quickly people are like oh you've changed <laughs> right <laughs> Right, I used to be addicted. I, I used to be a deceiver. I used to operate in pride and jealousy and envy. I used to operate in all that. And now that I've changed, you don't like who I'm becoming. It's amazing how quickly when, this, when, when God begins to move on your life and you get a revelation of who you can be, how quickly people don't like the new you. The reality is these people were using this girl for profit, for money. And here's the thing. They seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men, are, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. Okay? And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Wow. Let's look at this. Paul was sent to Macedonia by a vision from the Lord. There they met a woman in the place of prayer and her whole entire household, check this out, was baptized. God begins to move. Paul is teaching. Paul and Silas are building the church. God is starting to do something, and then it happened. The Bible says, and it happened. And now it happened. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where all of a sudden it's been going great. And come on, do you, are you now old enough where when things get really going great, you're like, okay. You know what I mean? When, when, when things start really going good, you, that's when you start like looking at the tire. You start looking at things because you, this is going too easy. Everybody's mind, everybody's happy. We eat together. Everything's going good. <sighs> you know, the, the reality is Paul and Silas are in a place where God is moving and now it happens. Have you ever had a now it happened moment? Life was going good, family's doing okay, bills are getting paid, contracts are getting signed, and now it happened. I know how they felt last night. We had a family time together. We had had family, and we, we love our extended family. We had a great time together, fun, games. I mean, we had a great time. 
But it was, last night we kind of pulled our family aside because we hadn't connected since the break. And, and we were going to just, we, 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 I told all the kids we're going to make our Christmas list. Come on. And I don't know how y'all do it, but, but we're trying something new. We're like something to read, something you need. Come on, you know, the, the five. And so we're doing the five. And, and so we went, and some of you are like, what? You can only do five? Yes, it's great. Do it, okay? Um, and, and so we went and got pizza, and, and the kids are writing, and they're thinking. We're just having this family time. It's like, this is awesome. And then my wife is like, oh, we should get the kids Christmas shirts. And I'm like, let's do it. And so we went four or five places and tried to buy them Christmas shirts. And, and, um, and we go to Old Navy, and we're, we're going we're gonna to buy these fa-la-la-la-la shirts or something. <laughs> my wife picked them out. Uh, and so we're leaving, we run into Robin, we say hi, we're talking, having some fellowship. And then I'm going to my truck. And as I'm going to my truck, someone pulls into the parking lot right by it and hits it. And then backs up and starts to drive off. And I'm like, oh! And so, you know, and so I'm running to go get this person that knew they hit my car. I mean, the car goes, <laughs> I mean, the car shake, their car Everybody knows that you hit my car. And this girl's like, eh, and I'm like, whoa, and I'm jumping in front of her car. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, nothing. Like, you just hit my car. She's like, oh, I don't really drive trucks that much. And I was like, and I was like, that's fine but you still hit my car. And so here I'm, I'm just trying to serve the Lord, and now it happens. Having some fellowship. And then the, the police comes, and I left my phone at home, and my phone, because I'm digital, so I do everything digital. I have my insurance on my phone at home, charging. And I'm like, God, why have you forsaken me? All I'm trying to do is just have a little quality time. I'm trying to do a little traditions. I'm trying to, you know, just bring the family together. And I have been slayed, smote, right in, right in front of Old Navy. <laughs> Listen, and, I, and as I went to bed, I'm starting to think about what I'm going to say tomorrow. And I think about Paul and Silas. And I can't even imagine them being sent on assignment to this place. And God starts moving. They start chest bumping. Everybody's excited. And then it all flips. They go from being the best, come on somebody, to the worst. Magistrates strip them down. They get beat. They get thrown in jail. Their feet are, are chained together. And they're in this, this jail cell, and I bet they're scratching their head going, bro, how, how did we get the red truck hit? How did that happen? No matter what you're trying to do, I want you to know that there's real opposition for you in life. And if you're going to do anything for God, you need to expect the enemy to attempt to frustrate your process. See, God gives you a, a dream, a purpose, a responsibility. God begins to move momentum into your life. And then you have a now it happens. And church, we need to be able to expect 
some opposition. Can you imagine what Paul and Silas were thinking? Beaten, beaten, incarcerated, removed from their assignment, surrounded by evilness. But what was their response? In Acts chapter 16, 25 and 26. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains, come on somebody, was loosened. There are three decisions that you can make when life gets rough. And I want to walk you through these real quick. There are three decisions that you can make when life gets rough. The first thing that you're going to have to do when life gets rough, and we all have rough moments, we all have seasons of crisis, we all have moments where we're walking through something. And the first thing that I want to say as you're walking through something rough is you're going to have to place the value. What value are you going to place on the decision that you're at? Who's going to get your attention? The reality is I'm a firm believer that being in the center of God's will is the safest place, come on, for you to be. But just because it's the safest place doesn't mean that it's always the most pleasant or pain-free. It's not always the most pleasant, but and it's not always pain-free. Sadly, believers have been seduced into believing that if I sell out to the Lord, I will be problem-free. Family, can I tell you that God is more interested in your holiness than your happiness? God has a plan for your life. And as we look deeply into this text, what I find in Paul and Silas is they never abandoned their pursuit of the Lord even when it got hard. Their own personal pain and tragedy didn't stop them from choosing God. It's one thing to choose God when he wants to send you on some great assignment. It's another thing to choose God when everything's going great. But it's another thing to be bloody, beaten, abandoned, bruised, and never feel like God has ever truly left you. Come on, what if we could get to that maturity where even though I'm not winning in this moment, the winner is still right by me. Even though in this situation, because we base life on major events. And, and, and it's not until you get much older that you realize that life is a vapor. Come on, that, that there's a lot of ups and a lot of downs and a lot of nights that you were like, how am I going to get out of this? But, but you do. You rise. There's a word in due season. There's a moment. There's an encouragement. There's somebody. But when you're young, come on, everything's major. Oh my God. I got a pimple. I got no one to take me to prom. You get a little past that. You know, my son, he's like, Dad, I need a cell phone. I'm like, son, you need a job. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean the, the it's like things are so major. But then now in our family, we're like, their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> 
their teeth. They want like $10,000 for their teeth. <laughs> Give me a pimple, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Listen, as we look deep into this, we see a response of people that were not shaken even though it looked bad. The one thing, listen, as we choose, we get to choose how we place the value. How, what we place the value on. Ephesians chapter 4, um, 1, verse 4 and 5 says this, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons of by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Listen, the reality is that you've been adopted into this family and that you're not alone. You're not alone. Paul understood something about his relationship with his heavenly father. And even though it didn't go as planned, God still has a, come on some, a plan. And even though we didn't get to evangelize without opposition, this doesn't stop my mission. God has a plan and he's working it in your life. Around midnight, at the darkest moment, Paul and Silas begin to make a decision. You too will have to make a decision. When the wrecks come, when the hurt comes, when the misunderstanding comes, you will have to speak to your spirit man and say, I can still praise. I can still praise. I don't like it, but I can still praise. I don't like this situation. I don't like what you said to me. I don't like the response. I don't like the situation that I'm in. I want to own a house. I don't like some things, but I can still, come on somebody, praise. What's most important? Place the value on the more important thing. And let me say this. You're never the most important part. Your part is never the most important part. It's His plan. It's His plan. It's His kingdom. It's His. I can still praise. The second thing, the second thing when, when rough times come, second thing is we've got to pray through the problem. You've got to pray through the problem. Paul and Silas are in a mess. They are incarcerated. Like I said, they're surrounded by people who probably deserve to be in jail. Bloody, beaten, falsely accused. Yet they are not alone. This concept is hard for new believers. Why would God... Send people on a missionary excursion. <laughs> author this and then let this happen. I see so many de-churched people that, that even though they may not frame the context of what I just said the same way, that's exactly how they think. I was an usher. I grew. I was at the church all the time. I was a leader. We were married. This and, and we have all of these things. And if God, you, you should have done it different. How could you call me to this and allow this? Come on, somebody to happen. Church, 
God is good. James tells us that everything good comes from the Father of lights. God is good. And in Him there is no evil. God is not the puppet master trying to manipulate your decisions. He has a plan. And there is an enemy that tries to defeat that plan. And many times we're blaming God, but God was wanting us to advance and move forward. And like the Cowboys, take it down and score. Listen, do you hear what I'm saying? Listen, but there is a defense to the offense. And we don't see professional football players pouting, mostly, pouting when the defense... It's trying to stop the offense. But in church, when the defense tries to stop the offense, we're mad at the offense because he didn't blow up the defense. God, if you truly love me, I would have scoreless days. I would score every day. Not scoreless, but I would score every day. Every pass would be a Hail Mary. Every time we threw a pass, it'd be an end zone dance. But, But you obviously don't love me like other people. And here's the big issue is we compare ourselves, come on somebody, to somebody else and we see someone else scoring and we're not. We just got sacked. We're on our back. And other people are scoring. And you're like... Do you even know my name? Do you even love me? Do you even care? Do you even see me? See, but the opposition makes you stronger. Able to go longer. See, David would have never been David, King David... Old Testament would have never been the man that we know if there wasn't a giant. Does this make sense? As we look through this, he is there. We live in a world where there is greed and pride and envy. But behind the scenes, we see Paul and Silas and it challenges us to respond different when things don't go the way we thought they should go. That at midnight, when it's the darkest, Paul and Silas are seen praying, not crying, not mad, not offended, not bitter, not, a, not, not broken. Paul is not writing letters saying, my ministry is now over. He sees this as a light momentary affliction and while they have played this move God I know that you're preparing the next move and while you're preparing the next move I'm going to be worshiping you in this place come on somebody in Psalms chapter 119 verse 62 at midnight I will rise and give you thanks because of your righteous judgments What did David know? What did Paul know? What did Silas know? That sometimes in our fast-paced culture and our instant society that we forget that sometimes there are midnights. But in those midnights, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. We see many Christian leaders 
show us their best. We look at Facebook and their webpage and, and, and their Twitter and, and we see them at their best. But I love this story because I'm able to see Paul and Silas in a terrible moment giving God great, come on, praise. Even though the pain is present, they're praying, they're pressing in, they're not breaking. They're saying God is the answer to my situation, not God is the reason I'm in this situation. Does this make sense? I can still praise. We all have crisis moments, but how do you respond when crisis happens? Anyone can move. Anyone can unfriend. Anybody can change churches. Any, any, anybody can fight. Anybody can get bitter. Any, anybody can do that. But who is going to praise? Who is going to pray? Who is going to stay? Does that make sense? Who's going to complete the assignment that God has called you to do? I know I'm talking to somebody here. And here's what I want you to know deep in your heart. You can still praise. I can still praise. The last one I'm going to get out of your way is you got to praise through, you got to praise over the pain. See, pain serves a purpose. When I hurt myself, pain lets me know that I need to give attention to a certain area that I wasn't already focused on. Does this make sense? I don't know why we think that, that pain is an irritant to the Lord or to our own lives. The Bible says, you guys can just come up here and get set. But the Bible says, if you confess and believe in me, that there will never be a day that you won't have joy. Does the Bible say that? No. Nah. No, it doesn't. See, the Bible says choose this day who you're going to serve. If we don't make a choice, then we don't know when we're really worshiping. See, I have to make a choice. I feel this way, but I'm going to respond this way. I feel like this, and right now we live in a culture where our feelings trump logic. How we feel is more real then what is actually substantial? Listen, God has a call on your life, but that call will be tested. It'll be tested. And here's the thing. It's not tested by the Lord. It's tested by the enemy to come and see and destroy you that work that God wants to start. The Bible says that God cannot be tested by evil. God doesn't do that to us. Because God knows everything about us, so he knows our weak areas. So for him to test us, knowing where we're weak, would be exposing. The, does that make sense? God won't do that. But there is an enemy that comes and wants to steal the calling of God on your life. Just like he did Paul and Silas. Church, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and listen, we live in two camps. We live in one camp where we never talk about the enemy and we never talk about Satan. And the reality is, I don't think Satan wrecked my car. 
I think it was a girl trying to park in a parking spot that was too small. Okay? And I, and I, I talked to her. You know, she was slightly crazy, but I don't think she had a demon. And so on this end of the spectrum, we never talk about the enemy. We never talk about Satan. And it's all just natural causes. And on this side, oh, the devil's in everything. Someone ate the last cookie. The devil's in my house. You know what I'm saying? No, people are hungry. Okay? Oh, I had to pay taxes. The enemy's after me. No, you bought a car. And so I think that if we're not careful, we'll dismiss him. And that's the worst thing you can do. Come on. America has real threats. But if we dismiss and act like we don't, we're going to be in a problem. On the same token, if we treat every person who comes to our country like they're a terrorist, we're going to have a problem. Does that make sense? We've got to be mindful and know, but, but not call the devil in every, everything that we're doing. But you're crazy if you're trying to raise a godly family in this environment where you can't turn on the TV without sensual things and you, can't, and you think that the enemy is not after your family. The enemy is after your family. And we've got to be mindful and we've got to know. Now, do I think the devil's in the Smurfs? I mean, come on. We need to make sure that we teach our kids that we fight against principalities and powers and darkness. And it's in Ephesians. And let me just say this. I'm going to wrap up on it. Three minutes. Three minutes. Don't time me. Uh, but a few of us are going to start a fast. And, and I haven't even taught on this, so I'm just mentioning it to you. But I really have some things on my heart for where we're going to go as a church. And so from December the 2nd to December the 10th, 11th, we're going to do a 10-day fast. And if you want to do that, you can. I don't care what you fast. I mean, I'm, it's not law. But, but we, during that time, our church, I want you to read Ephesians. Because that's the church I want to be. The book of Ephesians is the church that I want to be. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe you won't fast, but you'll pray. Pray for us. Pray for our church. Pray for our people. Read Ephesians. Because I believe that as we come together and do this, come on, no matter what happens, we're learning how to keep God first. Colossians 3.16, There is none like Him, and He will not allow His word to return void. I've got so many things that I want to say, but I've got to get out of here. While they were singing, suddenly. While they were singing, suddenly. Maybe the breakthrough hasn't happened in your life. It's because your focus, come on, is still on the problem and not on the answer. Maybe you're, you're still focused on who hurt you or who got mad at you or, or, or who stole from you or what your kids did or what they didn't do. But Paul had shifted and his focus was, I am content being where I don't want 
to be. You can slap my back. You can put me in chains. But you can't stop my praise. And I'm going to be in here. And I'm going to sing. This is my story. This is my song. And I'm going to make everybody in the jail. Guess what? Y'all tried to lock me up. But really what you did is gave me a crowd, baby. I'm fixing this. I'm fixing it. You don't even know. See, that's what God will do. God will take those impossible situations and do exceedingly more than what you ever thought and what you ever, come on somebody, imagined. Isaiah 40, verse 30 and 31. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like wings of eagle. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God will send you what you need. God sent Potiphar. God sent Joseph Potiphar. God sent Jonah a well. God sent Moses, Pharaoh's daughter. And God will send you, come on, God sent an earthquake to break these men out. And I don't know what you need, but I can tell you that God will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. It can't steal my praise. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at the house, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.